Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. How do we live a godly life? How do we grow as a Christian? How do we mature as a Christian? And um, so I've, I've selected uh, a passage in 1 Timothy. You might want to turn there. We'll get to there in just a, just a minute. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through uh, 14. So... But we have to uh, admit that today uh, we live in quite a world, don't we? We live, in a, we live in a different America than I grew up in. I can remember being a little 9, 10-year-old and in the summertime up in Ohio. And I would put my clothes on and put my tennis shoes on and lace them up. And my mom said, now you be back before the sun goes down. Remember those days? Uh, yeah, you can't remember them today, can you? Because the world is crazy. I mean, I've got, I just had my 12th little grandbaby, little Emma. And man, we got, we have our eyes on them 24-7, even when we're at the ballpark. You have to, because it's just, it's just a different world that we live in today. There, there are so many more in this world today. There's so many more temptations that we have to confront. Uh, there's so much competition. Uh, so many things in the world vying for our pursuit, vying for our attention, vying for our time, and the world really is bombarding us with everything. The morality in the world, oh, can you imagine? Not just abortion, but third-term abortion, and then you have a governor and then uh, representatives in our Congress celebrating a bill that was passed that would allow death after birth. I mean, it, the world is just crazy. The kind of world that we live in today, uh, it's not moral, it's amoral. I mean, uh, we have to have some kind of a plumb line. We have to have something to base our morality and our decisions and our life from, right? And if you don't have the word of God, then all you have is what is cool for the culture right now. What the culture says is right, is right? No, it's not right. So we have that plumb line. We live in a, a materialistic world. And everybody is trying to get the best next thing. And we live in a, a world where I remember growing up, even as a little guy, we were fighting against communism. You remember those days? Socialism. And we have come to a point where we're embracing a socialistic country, and that is the way to go. I mean, look at the world that we are living in today. I mean, they talk about diversity in colleges, but yet when a conservative wants to go on campus, everybody riots. We don't mind you coming speaking here as long as you say the things we want you to say. And high school, oh man, I've got uh, one 
graduating from high school this year, one uh, grandchild. And I remember, it wasn't too many years ago, I was over in uh, Roswell High School, and I was kind of next to the gym on the top floor, and uh, there was a guy I was standing next to, and there was some girl down on the bottom floor, and he decided he was going to just cuss her out and do everything, and I wasn't the only adult standing there. I'm thinking, what if we would have done that in high school? And, and the kind of morality and the kinds of things that are happening even in the schools today. I, I mean, God has called me to work with underprivileged kids and mostly 7 to 12 year olds and to get them out of that environment and teach them about Jesus. That's the only answer. And I know like in Atlanta, I take a lot of kids from Atlanta and the dropout rate there is 47% in Fulton County. Remember when you were in school? If somebody dropped out of school, everybody in town knew it. It was unusual. I, I'm down in Crawford County. Taylor County has a 50% dropout rate. Bibb County has a 49% dropout rate. Can you imagine the culture and the world that we're living in today? It is kind of crazy, I think. But yet, we're living in this world that's vying for our time. And the Bible tells us to, to be the light of the world, to be different, to mature, to stand out. Do you ever feel that maybe you can get sucked into the world's way of doing life? And the question for me is, have I? Or am I maturing as a Christian? Am I the godly man that God wants me to be? And if you are, you're going to be different. You're going to be different than everybody in the world because, you know, the gate is wide that leads to destruction and narrow is that gate that God's called us to, right? So we're, we're different. We're the remnant that God has called to be a difference maker in the world. It's sad to me to know that uh, there's more churches closing their doors today than new ones opening them. I'm a, I, I graduated from a Southern Baptist Seminary. And the, the numbers of the Southern Baptists are going down every year. So maybe we're not even winning our own because I think so much of the culture, whether it be the high schools or the colleges, are influencing the thinking of our kids. Don't be conformed to this world, guys. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind. Uh, uh, about a month ago, I was up at Liberty University. I'd never been to Liberty. And we were up there recruiting godly counselors because the success of our camp are godly young men and women influencing these kids. And so uh, we had to park in a, like across the river uh, in a, a parking lot and we had to take a bus, right? So there were two times I just dropped my folks off and I said, ah, go ahead and I'll ride the bus back and forth. And, uh, and I didn't know. Liberty, and I didn't know the kids of Liberty, but I, I just know what college campuses are like. And, and both going and coming, and the bus was pretty full. A lot of stops before, I was the last stop. I told my wife, I said, every single kid on that bus, I mean, I was trying to see if it wasn't going to happen. Every single kid on that bus said to that bus driver, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, before they got off. 
going and coming. I'm saying, man, what are they teaching these kids at this university? Every single kid. I don't think that would have happened at my my uh, alma mater, Ohio State. I just, for some reason, I don't think they would have said, thank you, sir, for dropping me off. But, but see, the Bible says, let's be in the world, but let's not be of the world. Hey, I mean, I can go through a lot of verses, but but in James 4.4, 4, man, I mean, he just gets pretty straight about it. He says that if you want to be a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of Christ. Whoa! Now, he puts it pretty plain, doesn't he? If you want to be a friend of the world, then you're going to be an enemy of Christ. How do godly men and women live in an ungodly world? How do we do that? Because it's in our face each and every day. Well, Timothy, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul is writing to his guy that he's discipling. And, and this is what I think is interesting. They were experiencing something similar in Ephesus where Timothy was the pastor. And keep in mind, this new way, this gospel, this Christian life was, was kind of new. And it was kind of taking hold. And there were some pastors who were preaching some stuff that just was not right about being a Christian and being in the world at the same time. And I think it's interesting that Paul writes most of the New Testament and he writes to the, uh, to, to, uh, Timothy. And most of all of his letters were to churches, but the last three letters he wrote, he wrote to individuals, to, uh, to Timothy and Titus. And, and it's almost like he's saying, hey, everybody, I need you to invest in somebody. Because I'm going to be going to my heavenly home eventually, and I need you to leave the right words with an individual. So individual discipleship is a big deal to Paul because he decides later in his life, the last three letters, he's writing to individuals. And so he writes to Timothy, who's pastor in Ephesus. And Paul's addressing the teaching of the gospel in this, in this passage. And what was happening was this. You know, this gospel, this Christian thing is awesome. As a matter of fact, the preachers were standing up there preaching and they said, if you can follow this teaching and you can be a godly man, a godly woman, and you follow it to the letter of the law, God will bless you materially. He will give you everything you ever wanted, but you have to walk the walk. You have to talk the talk. You don't know anybody preaching that today, do you? That he was tying material blessings and the things that you will get in the world to the gospel. Guaranteed. Paul didn't like that. As a matter of fact, when I was putting this together, I just had to Google this, man. I just had to Google. I said, hey, who are the top eight wealthiest pastors in America? You want to know? Oh, so did I. <laughs> so, I, 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 Kenneth Copeland, his net worth is $760 million. That's a lot of money, isn't it? He has a jet that costs him $175 million. Pat Robertson, he's worth $100 million. You know Benny Hinn? You ever hear that? He, he dropped out of high school. His net worth is only forty. Two million dollars. Then we come up here to Joe Osteen. 
He lives in a $10.5 million house, and his net worth is $40 million. And you ever heard of a guy here in Atlanta, Creflo Dollar? Now, listen, I'm not saying anything bad about these guys. I'm just tell, giving you some facts. It's like Fox News. You make your own decision. His net worth is $27 million. He, uh, he has two Rolls Royces. He has three multi-million dollar homes. And he's got one of those nice jets. I think I could probably land a plane at Camp Lake. No, no. Now, Billy Graham, here's a couple guys that I love because Billy Graham, most of his funds go to the Billy Graham Association, but that's $25 million. Rick Warren, he's worth $25 million, but he gives 90% of his money away. And then Joyce Meyer, $8 million. She also has a $10 million jet. She has several multi-million dollar homes. And the ministry building that she is in she paid a little over $20 million to build it, to minister out of. But Paul understood that Timothy was fighting the same thing we fight. The world wants to come in, and the world wants to take allegiance in our life. And we, don't we have to ask ourselves, is that, happening? is that happening to me? Is that happening to us? So here's what we see. He gives him four things that he wants him to follow to, to be a godly man, to be a godly pastor, to mature. And let me just read this, and then we'll go through them. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, 11 through 14, he says, But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you make the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandments without stain of reproach until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in verse 11, the first thing is he says, flee from. Well, flee from what? In the verses before that, he's telling him what to do. Using the gospel as a means of great gains, of great gain. He says, you have to flee from that. What, Timothy, are you to pursue? Are you to pursue riches? Are you to pursue comfort? Are you to pursue worldly status? Are you to pursue the things of the world? Or are you supposed to flee from that? Remember, even in this passage, he said, the love of money, not money, right? Now, do we get down on Christians who have a lot of money? No, I should never do that. I, it would be my hope that if the Christian who understands that the love of money, the what? The love of money is the root to all sorts of evil kinds of things. But if most of the godly men and women in the world had all the money and they understood that the money and the riches that they had with the contentment to serve the Lord, I would wish that we most, mostly all the Christians had the money. Can you imagine if we had most of the money and we had godly men and women like the Rick Warrens of the world, like the Billy Grands of the world? Can you imagine what we could do? I can imagine what I could build at Camp Grace. 
and we've had 4,100 kids come to Christ, and we can move from hundreds per summer to thousands per summer. That's how I think. I don't need any buildings. I don't need any electric bill. We're cleaning our pool. We have a nice pool that was given to us. You know the story. But it's $800 a month to run it. <laughs> I think about those things. But look, but we can use that if our hearts are right for the gospel. So we know that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. In 1 John 2, 15, he says, Do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things of the world. For if you love the world and the things of the world, John says, the love of the Father is not in you. Whoa, 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 whoa. I love some things of the world. But here's what he's saying. If I'm pursuing after those things instead of pursuing after what God has called me to do, that's the wrong way to, that's the wrong way to pursue life. God can give me what he wants to give me or he can give me nothing. I'm content. I'm cool. Like, in order for me to do the ministry I am called to, I have to in my heart and in my mind know that I can do nothing. That's John 15, right? But what God can do through me is amazing. And if he wants to build not one more thing, I like to build stuff. I don't know why. Because I think it glorifies him. When people come and they see the camp, oh, man, look at this. Oh, man, look at this gym. To God be the glory. I still don't know what I'm doing. But see, it glorifies him. It glorifies the Father. So we need to flee from those things that are pursuing you, that are worldly things that are trying to occupy your time. Now, yeah, man, we got to work hard, don't we? we got to make a living. we got to do all the things that we have to do. And some people work to live, and some people live to, I mean, that's their God. And I've got I've to build bigger barns. I've got to, mm. Now, God can do that, but that's why he says the right attitude and motivation for why we do what we do is what builds a godly man and godly woman. So he says that we have to flee from those things, and the next thing he says is what? Then we have to follow after. So you have to first flee from, and then you have to follow after. And what he says here, you have to follow after and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Righteousness is making the right choices. It really is. Hey, you know what God told me? He said, Dave, quit trying to live the Christian life. When I was a new Christian, you know, I'm kind of performance-oriented. And I just took my performance and I put it for God instead of for, right? But, and I thought God was happy with me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him, come to him believing that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I was pleasing God by what I did for him, not what he could do from me. You see the difference? So righteousness simply is saying, he said, Dave, quit trying so hard to live the Christian life. You can't do it. That's why I brought Christ through by way of the Holy Spirit, and I put him in you. Dave, only one person can live the Christian life. And that's Christ. That's why my favorite verse is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with him. It's no longer Dave who lives, but Christ who lives where? In me. Dave, if you get out of my way, I'll show you what I can do. But you keep getting in my way. Thinking that I'm going to love and accept you more based on what you do for me than I did the day you, I saved you. I'm not going to love you anymore, Dave. 
That's why this book I, I wrote uh, a year ago, that's why I say, you know, God in the last 15 years really has accomplished a lot of material stuff at that camp and given us a, a bunch of money to build and this stuff. But I tell people that the most successful I've ever been in the last 15 years was the day that I drove from the parking lot behind Chick-fil-A, crying out to God, telling him, I'm not doing this camp thing. And I drove back to my church at Fellowship Bible Church, walked past my office to my pastor's office, and I quit that day. I quit. I quit. Why? I'm miserable. God's called me to go do this. See, that's the most successful I've ever been. Why? You're obedient to go to Uganda. I'm just obedient. Okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. If you don't show up, I'm in some deep doo-doo. <laughs> that's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. I'm totally dependent on him. Man, if he doesn't do that, I don't, I've never raised money. I've never been, I don't, I've never been to camp. I tell people, my parents raised me, they forgot to tell me I was poor. I, I never went on one vacation. I didn't go ask my dad for 50 cents. You know what he say? Go cut some grass, man. I don't have any money. But see, then you're totally dependent. That is making the right choices. We are ambassadors for him, aren't we? Integrity is everything, isn't it? So he says, the second thing is godliness. Um, you are building, and I am building, a reputation whether I like it or not. Is that reputation a godly reputation? Is it a reputation of integrity? What people say about me is who I am. At work, at play, in the neighborhood, no matter where I am. See? And I can't fake it. Ultimately, the real me is going to what? It's going to come out. So ask yourself, what would people say about you? What is your reputation? That's, that's godliness, right? I, I, I preached a men's retreat last weekend, and this guy comes to me, up, uh, uh, comes to me on Sunday, and he's crying. He said, Dave, this has been the best weekend. Actually, he said, I couldn't believe it. He said, Dave, I was saved years ago. And man, I was on cloud night. It was the greatest, greatest time of my life. He said, but I have to tell you something. This weekend has surpassed that. He said, let me tell you why. I live in a small town. And I, uh, I, I spent eight and a half years in prison because I embezzled a lot of people's money in that town. And he said, so I did my time and I got my seminary degree. I came to Christ in prison. I got my seminary de degree in prison. Dave, the last thing I wanted to do was go back and embarrass my family and go back to that hometown. But I don't know why, but God told me, go back to that hometown. You have to work on your godliness. You have to work on your reputation. You have to work on your integrity. The worst thing he wanted, the last thing he wanted to do was go back to that hometown. But guess where he is? I'm in my hometown. I have to, every day, I depend on the Lord so people can see a new me, a new Jason. I'm not the old man I used to be. I've been saved and I'm going back and I'm just going to live for him. And eventually, he may give me my reputation back, but it doesn't matter. I've called to go back there to do my deal. And he, he's got a lot of enemies in that town. So, the next thing he says is faith. Here's what I call it. He's put his life in me. I call it the still, small voice in you. Have you ever had a decision to make? 
and your flesh is saying, yeah, you need to do this, this, this. But something in you said, no, wait, 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 wait. Don't do that. But you go do it anyway because you want to do it. Now, don't lie to me. I raise my hand because that's happened to me. Come on now. But listen, that's okay. We got a God full of grace. But that has to happen less and less and less in your life. To be that godly man, to be that godly woman, when he's telling you, no, 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 wait. Okay, man, everything in my flesh is do it, but I'm not going to do it. Okay, I'm going to wait. I call in my check, whenever I have a decision to make and I want to make it and I get that check, I just wait. I just wait. I don't, how long you wait? I don't care. I, I just wait. So, that is faith. And he says, pursue love. Hey, anyone here have anyone in their life that they don't necessarily love? Has anybody in here ever had somebody wrong you? Has anybody in here ever had somebody to do a number on you and you just wish you could get back at them? No, of course not. Not here. There was a pastor I heard about a month ago. I was in the service. And he has a fairly large church and he was in prayer and he was saying, Oh Lord, I seem like there's a ceiling and if that ceiling would break, I want the people to, to, to understand you more and I want to grow and I want, I want to reach more people for you. Lord, you know my heart. You know my heart. And as soon as he prayed that and he was ready for the new year, the God says, you haven't spoken to your father in 40 years. He left you at 16 and you have hated your father ever since. You want your church to grow? You got to go love your father. If you want your people to love, you need to do some things in your life to break that ceiling, to do the right thing. And you need to show love to a guy that you hate. What do you do? What do you do if you're that pastor? You just blow it off for another 40 years? When he is in that church and he's pleading out to God and in his prayer time and God says, boom, your father. He said, I didn't even have my father's number. I had to call my sister. I called my sister and dad lives in Detroit. I said, what's dad's number? Two days later, he said, I'm at a restaurant in Detroit crying, weeping, having lunch with my dad. He said, it's a start. Was I serious with God? Is there anyone here today? It may not be your dad. But you want to be a godly man. And you want to be a godly woman. And you've held this resentment in your heart for years. Who knows? I don't know. God wants to free you up like he freed this pastor up. Man, this pastor was crying on the stage. But he was free. Ha! <laughs> Man, I loved it because he didn't have to do that and most pastors wouldn't even tell the story. Because you know what? They wouldn't have gone to Detroit. But, but, but wait, you don't know what he did to me and my, my, my brothers and my, and my mom. It doesn't matter, does it? He stepped out and did it. And then he says perseverance right there. Hey, who's in control? Are you? No. Perseverance just says... Keep on doing the godly thing. Keep on doing the things that God's called you to do and don't ever back off. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do at work, guys, 
Whatever you do, do it hardly as for the Lord, not for man. Man, I used to have a guy at Bell Telephone. I wish I prayed as a new Christian. I didn't know a lot about, uh, you know, walking in faith and all that kind of stuff. I just knew I hated this dude. I prayed that God would take him out. I, I'm serious. He would call me in his office. He'd smoke his pipe. I'd sit there for 20 minutes. He'd say nothing. I'd get up and leave. He was just a, he was just a jerk. I hate to say it. But a friend of mine in a Bible study said, Dave, look at this verse. Whatever you do, you do it hardly as for the Lord. Hey, listen, I got to a point where I go in there and smile. What I'm doing is I'm doing this for the Lord. Whether you like me or not, it doesn't matter. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start loving you. I'm going to start loving you. Our relationship actually changed. And then he says, patience. Patience. I think that hits all of us, doesn't it? He said, pursue patience. Listen, the flesh wants to have its way. And God is in me saying, hey, in the right time, in the right place, you'll do the right thing. Say, I just call it chill. (laughs) Hey, Dave, will you chill? Hey, let me be a little patient, will you? I know exactly what I'm doing. And yeah, we have some things that happen that you don't like. But listen, can you trust me? And then, of course, right after patience, he says, Gentleness, Because if you have patience, you'll be a little more gentle to people, won't you? And people will see that. And, and what he was telling Timothy, Timothy, I know these guys are abusing the gospel, but don't argue the gospel. Have any of you ever defended the gospel by getting in some people's face? Oh, man, I have. My, my gift happened to be evangelism. When I was a new Christian, you can ask my wife. We would be going in, in, in the airport or shopping malls or whatever, and, and then they, they would lose me. And I'd be talking to somebody, and they wouldn't accept, the Christ, accept Christ. I remember going on a mission trip to Venezuela. And I didn't know a lot about the Catholic faith. And people would not even listen to me because they said, the church will get me to heaven. And I can remember in their face, and I remember arguing with them. And, and Paul said, hey, Timothy, Timothy, hey, with gentleness and reverence, you share. But listen, make sure that you share. So, you want, he says, to flee from things. He says, I want you to the next, follow after things. And then in verse 12, he says, I want you to fight for things. Oh, wait, Christians don't fight, do they? Look, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so he says right there, listen, we're going against the flow. We're going against the flow, but I want you to, and, and sometimes if you guys ever text me or if I ever, if I ever am t- talking to you, sometimes I'll, I'll say to people, I'll text about, okay, hey, uh, okay, Frank, love you, man. Stay in the battle. I, I say that a lot. Stay in the battle. Why? Because I told you what the world was like and I told you, you know, the kind of world we live in and I, God wants godly men and women and it, is it a battle? The world is trying to bring you over to its side. But God's saying, hey, I want you to stay firm on my side. Stay in the battle. You know, I had this uh, 1969. Doug's not here, but Doug likes Cadillacs, right? I had a 1969 Olds Cutlass convertible, totally restored, white leather interior, white top. Oh, man, it was so bad. I had it 38 years. I was emotionally attached to that car. 
If Doug was here, he'd know what I'm talking about. And so I cleaned it. I, it's always in my garage. Probably in six years, I had to take it out of my garage and left it in my driveway. But this one day, I took it out, get, put, got it all cleaned up, and I had a meeting the next morning at 6.30. And so I decided, I'll just leave it here, and I'll hop in it and go to my meeting tomorrow. I love driving that thing. I go out the next morning, and then I go back in the house. I said, honey, my car is gone. Somebody stole my car about two years ago. Somebody stole my car. Man, I was ready to fight. <laughs> I was ready to fight. But look, that kid, that, that ate at me for a while. Right? But, I, but God, you know what the Lord said? Somebody's driving a nice car. <laughs> That's okay. Somebody's driving a nice car. They're enjoying the thing that you enjoyed for 38 years. Is this my true home? Is this my home? Where's my home? Where's your home? Is it in heaven? Who cares about a car? Who cares about stuff of the world? Who cares about making more money? God wants to give it to me, fine. I can't believe in 15 years that he's given us over $13 million and a beautiful debt-free camp. Like I was telling uh, Frank, his son is at Mount Perrin. This weekend, 230 Mount Perrin uh, high school kids are at camp doing a retreat. Isn't that awesome? Because it's so nice. And we owe no money on any of it. How does that happen? Because God wanted it to happen. Hey, I don't have to brag on that thing, but it, because it's God's deal. And this is not my home anyway. I'm just out there doing a little thing for a little while, and somebody else won't take it over anyway. In, in the span of a lifetime, eternal life, life on earth is like not very long, is it? But what I do here determines the rest of my life. So he says, you're in a fight. Dave, I want you to pick up your cross every day when you get up and go. Dave, I want you to put on the full armor of God. I want you to know that I'm in you and I'm fighting your battle. Dave, you never have to defend yourself. Dave, you never have to protect yourself. Hey, I'll do all that for you. Do I believe him? Do you believe him? Becoming a man and becoming a woman of God means exactly that. See, Jesus was part of God's great redemption plan. He gave you and I our new identity. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old day passed away, the new has come. But he called him, and he was in the world, and he was the world was trying to do all kinds of things to him, and the world actually put him on a cross. We sang about it, didn't we? Has he called you to bear the same burden Christ bear? No. That's why we praise him. We're in this world, but he hasn't called me to be crucified. Sometimes we go through some things, we feel like we're being crucified, but let me tell you, it's not the same as what he went through. So, he wants us to flee from things, right? He wants us to follow after things. He wants to fight for things. And then he wants to be us to be faithful too. That's verses 13 and 14. He says this, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandments without stain or reproach into the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he wants us to be faithful to what God has done for us. He wants us to be faithful to his son, Jesus Christ. You know, 
a lot of victories have been won because people loved and believed in their leader. Amen? Anybody in here ever watch Braveheart? They died for, for Wallace, didn't they? But look at our leader. Can I be faithful to him? Look at all that he's done for me. Look at all that he's done in me. Look at all that he wants to do through me. I need to speak up. I need to rise up. And I need to follow up. That's what I need to do. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of folks. You guys, is everybody here make sure you're politically correct? Don't be politically correct. Speak up for Jesus, man. The world will speak up on but there's always truth to every lie that they give you. Truth is what God says regardless of what everybody tells me. This is it, man. This is it. So, that's what we need to do. At the right time, in here, talks about Pontius Pilate. There are times where we speak up, and there are times we don't have to say anything, do we? There are times that Jesus spoke up to Pilate and there are times when Pilate wanted him to say something and what happened? He was silent because he talked about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the coming of eternal life. That's what he's given to you. Hey, is that a good gift? I love that gift. And see, Jesus knew about eternal life. He even uses the word eternal life in there. So, we have a great advocate, don't we? So in order to be the godly man, the godly woman that God has called us to do, he says, I want you to flee from the worldly things. He says, I want you to follow after the godly ways, the godly things, right? I want you to fight for the ways of the gospel. Listen, the gospel goes deep. And all we're about in this room is one thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? He was there when God created the world. And his redemption plan came We're on the other side of it, which is so neat. We, we look back and see all that he's done. And then he says, I want you to be faithful to the ultimate leader, your leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm going to close in prayer in a minute. I'm going to ask the piano player to come up the keyboard player to come up. But here's what I want to do. I want to close the day with this. Um, anybody here where they would need to be? Does anybody in here have any decisions they need to make? Does anybody have that ceiling like I told you about that pastor who said, you know, Lord, I want to be free to grow this church and be the man of God that you want me to be, but I can't be the man of God because I've got this in my life. It could be an addiction in your life. It could be a relationship in your life. It could be a relationship with sister, brother. Uh, it could be a bad relationship with wife. I don't know. But is there anything in your life that is inhibiting you from being the man of God that God wants you to be, from being the woman of God that God wants you to be? Is there anything? Today can be a day of decision. Man. And you can go to the next level and I tell you what, God so wants to use us to accomplish his will and his way in this life. But sometimes he can't, can we? Because we got some barriers.
So as I pray, I just want, if you want, just come down. We can pray with you here. If you just want to come down, it's kind of like you're going to Detroit and back to your seat. It, it doesn't matter. If you want to do a little business with God, God's a God of action, isn't he? I mean, you can still sit there. But if you have a decision to make, as I pray, and as she plays uh, silently on the uh, keyboard, just, uh, just make that decision today. You can make that. God can blow the ceiling off of your life in this church and everything else. Father, I just come to you right now. I thank you that you're serious about us. You're serious and this took you to the cross. And sometimes, Lord, we're not so serious about you. We just go through the motions. And we got stuff in our life that are keeping us from being the full man of God, the full woman of God that you want us to be. So, Lord, I just want to lay it at the altar. I want to make a decision in my mind and in my heart right now. Because, Lord, you know there's some things in my life that I need to flee from. You know there's some other things, Lord, I need to pursue and follow more godly after. And, Lord, you know I need to fight for you. I need to fight this good fight that you have called me to. So that at the end, Lord, you can look at me and say, well done my good and faithful servant. And Lord, I am going to be faithful to you and not care about what the person on my left or the person on my right is thinking. And I'm going to be faithful to your calling and make that decision that I have in my heart and in my mind right now. I don't want to walk out of this place with any burdens, with any ceiling that is going to inhibit me from being the godly man and the godly woman that you have called me to be. Lord, as we go from this place this week, let us think about Paul's letter to his disciple Timothy and the words that he left with him so that he could be the godly man that he wanted him to be. So we thank you for this word out of your word today, inspired by your spirit in our hearts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, it's been a good day, right? Is God good? All the time, right? All the time. God is good. Amen. Have a great week, and we will see Pastor Mike here next week. Unless he calls me again. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, 
you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.